Well, greetings and welcome to another episode of the Deal Flow Show. I'm JP Maroney, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Paul Nicolini, here at the Deal Flow Show team and Harbor City Capital team. And today we've got John Austinson from Franbridge Consulting and also Franbridge Capital. We're going to talk about the unique differences between those two and the services that you're providing to the market. But John, it's good to have you on the show and um, welcome. Yeah, no, appreciate the invitation. I love the show and look forward to, uh, to our discussion. Fantastic. So we always like to kind of go back and understand what brought people to where they are today. Could you kind of maybe get, take us back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, business, and kind of what brought you to where you're working in Franbridge today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll keep the background pretty brief here, but started my career with Accenture uh, in consulting and had a good run, did some international uh, projects. And then after grad school, um, ended up having a, a really good run in the corporate world. But like so many, I had that entrepreneurial itch and had a desire to go to a smaller private company. And so explored a number of private equity options coming out of, uh, out of the corporate world just about five years ago. And uh, ended up partnering over at Shelf Genie. Shelf Genie is a large national franchise brand, actually an Inc. 500 company. We experienced some great growth. Uh, but ended up partnering and I served as president for a period of time. Uh, eventually spun off along with the founder of Shelf Genie uh, and created our own entity, which is now Frambridge. And, uh, you know, during that time at Shelf Genie, really fell in love with franchising, saw what a better path to business ownership it is for so many. And frankly, the, the financials that uh, can be returned uh, both to the franchisee as well as to the franchisor, um, as well as investment off. So um, that, that's parlayed into what we're doing now, which, you know, I, I know we'll dig into a little bit more. Talk about the work that y'all do to, today. Is it, I know you've got the capital side, you've got the consulting side. Talk about the unique differences and the service that you're bringing, the value, you know, sort of the problem that you're solving in the market. Absolutely. So on the consulting side, I represent roughly 300 franchise brands. This is out of a universe of 4,000 brands here in the U.S. across dozens of sectors and industries. Um, whereas when people think of franchising, they oftentimes think you know, fast food, Subway, McDonald's, and, and there's a whole nother world. And that's really where I specialize and focus. My attention is in that non-food space, which, which I can elaborate on further. Um, but I, I represent these 300 brands and I'm essentially playing matchmaker. I'm helping those that have an interest in investing in some, uh, you know, some of the private capital on the sidelines, as well as stepping into business ownership. Um, and so I take them through a, a streamlined path and ultimately help them find that right opportunity. That also allows me access to some great deal flow, which uh, on the capital side really uh, pays dividends. Um, I've got several business partners as part of Framebridge Capital. And not only are, on the consulting side are we uh, introducing prospects to franchise opportunities, but we are um, drinking the Kool-Aid ourselves and we own uh, several franchise brands, roughly 15 territories across three different brands here in the Atlanta metro market, uh, all concentrated in the property services, home services space. Um, and it is our goal over time to build out that portfolio to 15 uh, brands and be able to cross sell, cross market on the front end, have shared resources and economies of scale on the back end. So um, in addition to that, we do place private investments with individual franchisees as well. John, so on the on the capital raise side, you as Franbridge Capital, you guys raise money to ultimately 
get inside some of these franchise deals that you're also representing? Exactly. So where we are today, as far as the uh, stage of evolution that we're in currently, um, like I said, we own 14 territories, largely that was capitalized by the three partners, by, by us. Um, however, we are uh, conducting a raise currently. We're about 75% complete uh, for that funding that will allow us to go faster with our, uh, with our goals around those businesses and uh, acquiring additional businesses. Then we also play in a more passive advisory manner where, you know, an example there would be, um, I recently took a 49% interest in a driveway repair franchise uh, in which someone else, instead of using an SBA loan or self-funding, they came to us and we provided the capital um, there. So we've done a few of those deals. I'll say it's earlier in our journey right now from a rollout standpoint, but that is the direction that we're headed. Under what regulation are you raising capital? Yeah, Reg D. I see. And what's the what's the amount? What's the goal that you're trying to raise? Yeah, in the half million ballpark. So we're not talking huge numbers, but we're uh, you know some good working capital that allows us to get into these additional territories and brands. Not to talk about capitalizing on the negative, but having the ecosystem or the universe that you operate in, do y'all get opportunities to buy up distressed franchises as well? You know, with the ones that we focused on so far, it's more Greenfield where we are uh, buying into a new entry into the market. However, I do a good number of deals that are more distressed. Uh, we did one two weeks ago that was a fitness concept. Great business. The owner fell on uh, you know some health issues, unfortunately, and, and we were able to pick that up for quarters on the dollar. Oh, nice. So, um, talk about your own deal flow deal flow process when y'all are putting together a deal. You're obviously bringing together multiple parties to the table. What is your process for uh, due diligence and looking at opportunities? Can you kind of walk us through that? Absolutely, and, and one of the beautiful things about franchising is there are a lot of disclosures. You know, we're regulated by the FTC and um, there's just a lot that goes into, uh, they, they really look out for small business owners that are buying into, oftentimes with their retirement funds, into an opportunity. So every franchise system has what's called a franchise disclosure document or FDD. Uh, it consists of 23 items. It's some good reading material anytime you're, you're looking to fall asleep at night. Um, but within that, you have what's called an item 19 and item 7. That's where we give a lot of attention. Item 19 is the financial representation. Essentially, how are all the other franchise owners in the system performing? You know, what are the expectations you can expect if you were to buy in? And then your item 7 would be your all-in investment cost. And so that's your franchise fee. That's any build-out cost, any machinery, working capital and such, um, you know, to, to really launch that business. What are some of the other benefits uh, an entrepreneur would, would, would want to hear about when owning a franchise? Absolutely. So like anything, there are pros and cons. You know, the cons are you have to stay within the lines. Uh, you do pay a royalty typically back to the franchisor. Now, questions I always have my clients ask are, what are we getting, you know, for that royalty? What kind of support? What kind of innovation? Um, but lots of benefits to franchising as to why it's a better pathway to business ownership for me. A few that I would cite, one would be, you know, going in eyes wide open. Not only do you have that franchise disclosure document, you also get to go through a process called validation where you talk to all the franchise owners that you would like to within the system, hearing about their experience. You really get a good understanding going in. But then once you're in, you've got shared buying power. You've got a proven system, a proven brand. 
Um, you've got essential, essentially playbooks behind marketing and operations. You know, what's been tested, what works, what doesn't. Oftentimes you have preferred relationships on the supply side or on the sales side. Um, and then you've got a franchisor that acts as a coach really on that sidelines. Your interests are entirely aligned. He's cheering for you. He's helping you. You're in business on your own, but not by yourself. Um, in addition, you have the other franchise owners in the system. And the better you do, the more valuable their franchises are worth. So again, great alignment of interest and sharing of knowledge uh, across systems, across markets. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know I look like an addict. You, you, you mentioned um, having people involved in ownership and then also funding. Are you matchmaking then private passive investors or the capital side with people that are wanting to be the owner operator? Is that what I understood? Yeah, that's a great, great way of putting it. I, I would say in most cases currently, that investor has an operator in mind. I'd say most of the deals that we do, they say, hey, you know, my son-in-law or my wife's brother or our pool boy you know, now wants to be an entrepreneur. Most of the time they come with someone. However, we, I have had occasions like that fitness deal. I found the number one lifetime trainer in their entire system two years running, who happens to be based in Atlanta, I matched him up with an investor that was looking at you know, putting some passive capital. Uh, so every now and then we will have those opportunities to, to play matchmaker end to end on our side. Does private equity or institutions get behind this? Absolutely. Yep. You know, full disclosure, I mean, they, they're doing some bigger deals than we are right now. Um, but no, you see private equity loves franchising for multiple reasons. It's predictable cash flow. You're leveraging others' money. They've got skin in the game. Um, and so you really see higher multiples oftentimes on franchise deals than comparable non-franchise deals for the same industry. Um, but no, I, there are few that come to mind that happened just in the past couple of weeks, you know, in the food space, uh, Rourke and their Inspire Brands group just acquired Dunkin' Brands, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, that deal just went through, $11 billion deal. Um, neighborly large property services holding company uh, across a number of brands um, just purchased Shelf Gene, uh, my, my old employer. Um, and so you see a lot of activity out there. And in the past, it's always been at that franchise level. But now you see groups coming in and buying large swaths of Mako and Meineke or Massage Envy or Orange Theory. So we're starting to see more and more private equity interest at that franchisee level as well. Obviously, not every deal goes great. There are times when you have setbacks, uh, w whether it's at the deal-making process or maybe a deal that's gone active and is out in the market. I want to talk a little bit about coming back from those setbacks in just a moment. But before we do, if you're watching or listening to this episode of The Deal Flow Show, you can go to our website, thedealflowshow.com, and get access to all of our past episodes, as well as subscribe and follow us for future episodes and insider videos, as well as if you want, make a recommendation for a guest, or perhaps you're even thinking you should be a good guest, so you can make that recommendation as well. But go to thedealflowshow.com. John Austinson from FranBridge. Um, so let's talk about that. When a deal goes wrong, you know, and I, you can talk historically if you want, going all the way back to where you started. But historically, when a deal doesn't work out, 
when things don't go as planned. What is sort of your reset process, both the mental game as well as the strategic maneuvering? Yeah, no, I think, you know, most of it is more on that mental side to, to recognize, hey, you know, there are going to be a lot of deals that you put a whole lot of effort into, and you guys know this well, and, and ultimately they fall apart there at the table. And, uh, you know, oftentimes fun, it'll come down to funding or it may come down to, um, you know, to, to getting cold feet. Uh, you do see that quite often. Um, once a deal is done, it, and I'll harken back to my franchisor days where I saw franchisees struggle, it's really when they didn't follow the system. Um, that, that would be number one. Number two would be, you know, so much of this is turnkey for someone that's getting into business ownership through franchising that, it, it, you know, sometimes it's easy to rest on the support of the franchisor and, and all the systems that are already in place. Where they fall down is the, the people side, the hiring, the firing, the holding accountable, and then incentivizing. Um, oftentimes, if you see someone coming from middle management that's never had to make those tough calls out in the corporate world, and they step into business ownership, they may hang on to bad apples for too long, and that ultimately uh, you know, dooms them. So I, I'd say on the, where deals fall apart later down the road, it's often on the personnel side. To that point, what do you look for in your own work what are some of the qualities and characteristics you're looking for in the people that you do deals with? Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the franchisor side, we're looking for a strong leadership team uh, that has deep industry experience. Uh, oftentimes you do find franchisors that have deep industry experience, but don't have the franchising experience. And so the way to augment that is to bring in great franchise talent. So it is a different animal. And so that's something I always coach my clients on. Um, you know, obviously a profitable model is key. Um, and, and really a degree of innovation or uniqueness within their sphere of uh, industry. You know, want some competitive barriers uh, around it, not just great brand. Um, on the franchisee side, you know, we look for pe people's track record. I mean, that's the best indicator of future results is how they've done in the past. And, you know, have they been risk averse? What kind of calculated risk have they taken? Have they made those tough calls when it comes to personnel? Um, you, you know, so we, we look at them pretty closely and you do fine. Like with any deals, it, you know, you get a lot of tire kickers out there. So you know, we test to see who's really serious here, that if it's the right opportunity, you're willing to step forward. Um, so those would be some of the key uh, attributes that we look at. Obviously, character goes without saying. John, let's talk about what kind of money can be made in franchising as opposed to an entrepreneur maybe going out on his own and with his own company, corporation, idea, whatever product. Uh, give us a little, you know, reason to maybe go the franchising route. What kind of money is to be made? Yeah, well, you know, I'll start out by saying it. franchising doesn't totally de-risk a proposition, but it increases the likelihood of success significantly. So, number one is you're probably more likely to make money. Um, but no, I, I look at it in several departments. One, um, you know, from a pure margin standpoint, we see EBITDA margins average between 20 and 30% sometimes going as far north as 50%. Um, but even in that 20 to 30% range from an investment standpoint, your payback period is between one and maybe two and a half years, and then you're just printing money after that. So, um, it, you know, those are the types of margins that we made. Um, something I always remind my clients is, if you're looking at, you know, making $300,000 salary in the corporate world versus 300,000 in profit on the ownership side, Obviously, there are a lot more expenses that you can write off. You know, it's not necessarily an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. 
Um, and then finally, you're not just building cash flow, but you're building an exit value. You're building an asset. Um, I've got some clients that only want to buy into resales, existing franchise businesses. And sometimes they're hard to find because people tend to hold on to these businesses for a long time. Um, but ultimately, when they do decide to sell, you know, whether you're selling it at a, a three times EBITDA multiple or a six, um, you should typically, as long as you run it halfway decent, be able to sell it for more than what you put into it. And so you're building an asset, not just cash flow. What kind of franchises do you see in 2021 that are going to be in the hot, let's say, sector? Yeah, and I, I think the trend has already started. Uh, you know, a couple of segments that I really like, um, you know, property and home services. You know, it's a $500 billion market. It was doing well prior to COVID. COVID hit, you know, it's seen as an essential service. Uh, that's continued to, to do very well. Lots of interest there in the market. Um, you know, things as non-sexy as roll-off dumpsters or uh, the serve pros, uh, mitigation type companies. Um, it, you know, that's where we're seeing a lot of interest right now. You know, fitness was hot in the past. I do think it'll come back. You'll have some winners and losers. Um, so I think uh, that'll be one sphere. Again, I don't focus a lot on food. I just think it's too trendy. And I, there's some attributes of food that I'm not personally a fan of. Um, but, uh, you know, I think anything dealing with health and wellness, maybe outside of fitness, so whether that's IV drips or, uh, you know, in-home senior care, uh, some of those macro trends really probably will in franchise. What do you do yourself in terms of thought leadership in the market? Because at the end of the day, especially a consulting business, and we have a lot of folks that listen to the show that are on the consulting side or service side of things. Um, what do you do yourself to kind of separate, separate yourself from the pack? First of all, I, I'm in it. I'm fortunate to be in a business where there is a lot of interest. Um, it, it, and so I, I, I'm on quite frequently on shows like this. I was on Bigger Pockets podcast yesterday. Um, but I, I'm speaking to more and more investor groups and private equity groups. I uh, spoke to 300 family offices a few weeks ago, uh, for instance. And uh, the message is really resonating. Uh, you know, so whether I'm speaking to investors or you know, at the universities or to the entrepreneurs organization, um, there's a lot of interest in creating passive revenue streams or semi-passive revenue streams um, and building up something on the side that eventually sometimes you can step into full throttle or at least diversify your investment holdings. Have you considered putting together any kind of a fund around it yourself at Framebridge Capital? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're moving down that path. I mean, we start out with more of a traditional fund structure and, and kind of uh, uh, you know, once we started having conversations out in the market, realized there was a better way to structure it. Um, you know, obviously what's going on in D.C. and the change of administrations, we're watching very closely as far as what changes could come down there. Um, but right now, there's just a lot of grassroots opportunity. And so we're kind of building from the ground up in the types of deals that we're doing. John, give us an idea of the demographics or, or your, your marketplace with regard to people that you see getting into the franchising opportunities. What does that look like? Absolutely. Roughly half of the deals that are being done right now are to Generation X, which would be your late 30s to mid 50s demographic, uh, with the other half split between the baby boomers and millennials. So it's pretty wide swath of, uh, of generations, if you will. Um, but we're seeing you know, many exits from the corporate world, you know, oftentimes taking a package, you know, the, those early retirees looking for a semi-absentee opportunity. But we're also seeing more and more interest from those in their 30s and early 40s that, um, you know, it, COVID has caused them to step back and say, 
you know, what path am I on? Do I want to continue doing what I'm doing? And, and um, maybe there's a better way to become a business owner and step out there. And, and some of them are making, and I can tell you story after story, are making the entrepreneurial leap both feet first. Others are saying, let me put a, dip a toe in the water and maybe get something going on the side and start putting 15, maybe 20 hours in a week to it. And then building it up with the intention of one day step into a full throttle. Um, and, and so those would be some of the key segments that we're definitely seeing. Fantastic. Uh, what kind of people as a result of hearing you on this show, what sort of folks would you like to hear from and what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, no, I, I'm passionate about this topic and a big piece of what I do is on the education side. So I would love to engage with anyone that has an interest in learning more, um, more than, you know, with, whether you're, seriously considering or, or just you know, have some questions and want to understand more happy to uh, to, to have a conversation uh, john j-o-n at frambridgeconsulting.com would be the best way to reach me would love to connect with you on linkedin and uh you know, be an asset and resource in any way that i can that's fantastic we've got some projects we're working on we'll be back in touch with you that potentially yeah. could fit really well inside that franchise model. John Austinson, Franbridge Consulting and Franbridge Capital. Good to have you on the show. And if you're watching or listening to this episode of the Deal Flow Show, you can get access to our previous episodes and subscribe and follow us for future episodes by going to thedealflowshow.com. You can also get access to us on YouTube and nearly every video and audio podcasting platform out there known to mankind. But we look forward to seeing you again in another show very, very soon. Take care, everyone. I'm J.P. Maroney, Mr. Paul Nicolini. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Bye -bye. John. For more episodes, visit thedealflowshow.com and subscribe.